Hi. Can you can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, great. It's great to be here actually. Cuz I think of this church actually as my house. It is my house because I met Jesus here. Not in this actual building, but I did meet him in in this church. So so I even though many of you uh don't know me or or haven't seen me before, um, about five years ago, I, made Je- I met Jesus right here. So, so that is what we're going to be talking about tonight. And um, uh, why don't we pray about it? Uh, Father, mighty Jesus, thank you for the chance you give us to serve you. It's a privilege. Let us be empty vessels. Let us be filled with the Holy Spirit tonight. Let our hearts be softened and our minds be open. Nothing is going to distract us tonight. And let your word be heard in this church today and every day. Uh, in the mighty name of Jesus, we say amen. amen. Okay, I, I want to guarantee uh, one thing first. I am going to butcher the English language. <laughs> so if you bear with me. It's possible that we all live here tonight with, a, with learning something and, and hearing a little bit about my life, but especially about the Word of God, which is what needs to be preached from here every single time. So um, I tried to, to make this work, so I divided my, my testimony in, in, in four parts. And I hope that when we live here tonight, we will have an understanding not only of what happened to me, which is the least important part of this, but on how does an agnostic or an atheist see someone that believes in Jesus when he, when he receives the word. And in a sense, this will make, I believe and I hope, easier for all of us which is something that I've learned through the past five or, or, or four years, on how to approach someone that is a non-believer, that does not believe in God at all, and that um, most likely thinks of whatever you're going to tell him as nonsense. Um, so uh, I'm the worst uh, of choosing titles. So if you're taking notes, I noticed early today that my nieces, I, I believe it was Destiny, that she put some post in Instagram with a picture of my family, and uh, she titled the post something like "From 80s to Believer." So uh, that sounded good to me. And since I'm not able to pick up a, a title for a for a service, so we're gonna go with that. And uh, just to do a little introduction of myself, well, I'm an assistant pastor at Semilla de Mostaza, which is a church in Escazú, in in San Jose, in Costa Rica. And I do preaching in the church at least uh, once a month. Uh, the past month before we came here, I had the privilege to, to teach uh, basically a whole month. So now I'm more used to being out here. And it was funny to me because uh, just uh, about 10 minutes ago, Brenda told me that in order to be chill and not nervous at all, that the best way to do this will be to imagine that all of you in your underwear. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm not going to do that, but 
But just to let you know that uh, it's much easier for me now than last time I was here. Okay, so let this thing rolling. So first thing, uh, for anyone taking notes, uh, I would like to name this. It's impossible for an agnostic or an atheist to understand the Word of God. And that is where we're we're, going to start. Uh, I I grew up on on a very happy family. I mean... By all means, uh, my dad, my mom, um, I only have nice memories, Christmases, birthdays. Um, both, my, both my parents are, are academics. They are uh, university uh, professors, and, and everything went really nice for me. But basically, we had no uh, teaching or, or no church or, or anything talk to us about God growing up. So to me... Uh, it was all left to myself. I, I grew up believing that anything worthwhile needs to be done by myself, that I, I needed to be the, the chief, the captain of my life, that no one would help me, that I had to do everything by myself, and there is absolutely no spirituality, nothing at all for me growing up. <clears throat> this, I can see looking back now, left uh, a big hole in my life. Because it's really hard to, for, for people out there. I mean, the other day I, I saw a meme saying uh, something like, uh, Jesus loves you. And, and the world says, like, I'm offended. And that, that is basically what happens. I mean, people out there, myself growing up, feeling a void inside me, not understanding why things happen to me, uh, trying to fill up my life with stuff that could basically kill me. And, and doing the same thing over and over again, uh, going in the same mistakes over and over again growing up, and simply not seeing what really was going up in my life. Um, Matthew 13, 11 and 12 says, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But, and you know that buts are important, but for those who are not listening, even that little understanding they have will be taken away from them. So basically, by listening, the word here is saying that we need to give the first step towards Christ, that even though He's calling us, but He's the one that is calling us, we need to agree. We need to say, okay, I want to listen. I want to pay attention. I, I, I want to know what this is about. And for most people out there, that doesn't happen at all. I, will, I, I definitely remember that I, my, I study or, or my uh, profession is an agronomical engineer, and we have to do a lot of a lot of chemistry and, and biochemistry and biology work. And let me tell you, any biology um, school or, or classroom, it's going to be 99.9% atheists. And uh, all this that I was learning there growing up, is, it was trying to tell me and explain to me how everything works. So for someone in that position to have someone that believes in Christ 
to tell you, I mean, that the, the earth was made in seven days and, and God speaked creation out of his mouth, which is completely, I'm completely able to understand now, in that moment in my life and for those people out there, is nonsense. But you know what? It's supposed to be nonsense. That is what Matthew, well, Jesus in, in this quote is saying here that they do not have understanding because they are not supposed to have understanding. So it's our job to go with the Word of God to them and to make this available to him in a way or to them in a way that, that they can understand. The truth, it's super cold. You know this. It's called, I mean, to hear the absolute truth about something that, that is going on in your life. Something that you don't want to hear. It's, it's called. And, and we need to put to this truth that is written in the Bible some warmth, clothing. So it's going to be acceptable to those people. We need to, to be able to go to them in a way that they're able to say, okay, I'm... I want to listen. The key word in this text is, but for those who are not listening, and before that, it says that you that are listening, so that would be like putting maybe, maybe you could say that putting your foot on the door, it will be that, that little opening on the door that will let you talk to the people, that will let you have them hear what you have to say, because it's not us the ones that are going to convince them of, of their sins or convict them of their sins, the Holy Spirit is Jesus himself. We are only the ones that are handing out the bread of the miracle. Jesus is the one that did the multiplying of this bread. But we are the ones only in charge of taking the miracle that is already been done by him. We have no part on this at all. We're not going to convict the people. We're not going to convince them of anything. We need only... Again, to put our foot on the door, to have that door a little bit open so we can pass a, a little word that is going to be fruitful in their lives. So, I mean, it goes as far in Job, in chapter 11, uh, verse 7 and 9, if you're taking notes, God says, God himself, he says, can you solve the mysteries of God? Can you discover everything about the Almighty? Such knowledge is higher than the heavens. And who are you? He, he says, who are you? Or it's like saying, who do you believe or who do you think you are? Who are you? It is deeper than the underworld. What do you know? It is broader than the earth and wider than the sea. So he's telling us that it is ever, even, we're not even able to understand in f the fullness of the message of God, the mysteries of the Word of God. And do we expect the people that they don't even think that God is real are going to take whatever word we have for them as, as a truth, that they will happily open their lives or open their houses and let us go in and teach them what we already know? That is never going to happen. That is never going to happen. And it never happened to me. I had people talk to me many, many times. Many times. 
Even I remember that, uh, well, one of my grandmothers, uh, she was very Catholic in Costa Rica. Most of the people are Catholic. And, and she will uh, take me to Mass. And, and I basically have like a, a, a very super small memory of going to this super boring place and that you need to stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, kneel, stand up, and all this nonsense. And, 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 and that's all I remember. So nothing there stick to me because I was not ready. Because God is the one that has a time for every single person. And again, we need to provide a message that is going to be fruitful at the time of God, not ours. But we need to do this in a way that is going to be acceptable to the people. Because we want to be effective, right? When we outreach, we want to be effective. We want to go and, and deliver this message so it's effective. So people will, it will stick to people, right? Okay. So this leads me to the second part which is teaching the gospel the Jesus way. This is super important. We don't need to make up anything. Ecclesiastes says that there is nothing new under the sun. It's basically telling us that the whole deal, the whole way of doing anything and everything is right here written on the Bible. So we don't need to come up with gimmicks or any crazy ideas. Why don't go to the source? We need a way to teach the gospel to people. Why not teach it the Jesus way? And I want to take you, and, and please bear with me, imagine, and I know that everybody knows this, this part of the Bible. Everybody's listened to the, and I'm going to butcher this one, the, the Samarit, Samaritan women. Yeah. Samaritan? Samaritan, thank you. And Jesus, right? And, and I want for a second that we could look at this in a different way. I, I want to give you a different perspective. Not so much that, the, that Jesus is going to tell this woman everything that, that she's done wrong, that he does, but how does he do this? How does Jesus approach them? And you're going to see the, exactly the same thing every single time in the Bible that Jesus comes to a sinner, which is basically that he comes to anyone. So to, to remind, well, if you're taking notes, of course, this is on John 4, and more or less around verse 7 and going all to verse 18, we're going to try to remember this. Basically, what happened is that Jesus is walking, and he's going to the city, but he does, Samaria is not on the way. So first thing we notice is that he goes the long way, let's say, to go through Samaria. And this is an important fact because Jews hated Samarians. It was unacceptable for a Jew to be seen talking to these people. They were enemies, complete enemies. So you will think, why would a rabbi, because you know, Jesus was a Jewish guy, and he was a rabbi, very important person of the Jewish community. And he will go to the least probable place you will find a Jew. A rabbi, never, but he will go through Samaria, and he goes and sits in this well. If you remember, I believe it's in, well, in the first uh, chapters of of Genesis, you see, you remember a well that Jacob did in, in remembrance of of what he received from God, and this is actually a very important place. So this place is that well, Jacob's well. It's right there, and Jesus is sitting down, 
And uh, the, the woman comes, sits by him, and basically Jesus says, please give me a drink. So by doing this, this particular fact that Jesus talked to the woman first, he's showing love to this person. She, he is showing love to the woman. Why? Because no Jew will talk to her. Because this is, I mean, it's so far-fetched out there that even the woman goes next by saying, you are something like, you are a Jew, and I am a Sam, Sam, how was it? Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? I mean, she's like, we're not supposed to be talking. Why are you talking to me? And Jesus said, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I mean, there is no word in the Bible more loving than this. He's telling her, only if you knew. And I will give you everything. He's saying, I'll give you everything. I'll give you an eternal life. I'll give you an inheritance. I'll give you heaven. I'll give you a new robe. I'll give you a golden ring. I'll give you everything you ever wanted. Peace in your heart. That is what he's saying. So before he knows anything about her, he is giving her love. And then, of course, she does not understand what Jesus is saying, and she goes on to saying something like, like uh, we, we don't have a bucket, the, the well is really deep, how are we going to get this water out? And all this nonsense that we do every day, questioning what God says to us. She's basically being all of us. I mean, God is telling us, I'm going to take care of you. You're my son. I love you. And I'm saying, well, but how am I going to do this? And how am I going to pay the rent? And how am I going to be on time? And how blah, 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 blah. And then Jesus says exactly, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. The water of the well, right? Regular water. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh Bubbly, and I like this verse. I choose the New Living Translation because I like that it says bubbly. <laughs> it becomes a fresh, bubbly spring within them, giving them eternal life. And then the woman says, okay, I want it. Please, sir, I want the water. And then after Jesus had given her love, he says, okay, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And one of the funniest, sarcastic dialogues of Jesus, I believe, he says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You have five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. So certainly, you speak the truth. So what do we see here? He's giving her love first. And after loving her and offering basically everything, what else it is after eternal life? What, what else could you want after the forgiveness 
of all your sins and, and, and the inheritance that, that Jesus can give you, what else could you want? And after giving her everything, he confronts her with her sins. So why I choose this? Because that is exactly what happened to me. Many years, well, we, it's, I always get nervous when I'm going to say this part, what Marcela and I were basically, what, shacking up? Yeah? <laughs> and, uh, after, well, Marcela had come to Texas to visit her family, and I decided not to come because, well, she told me that her sister's husband, pastor, was a pastor, and I'm thinking, I don't, I'm not spending my vacation in a pastor house. I don't know what that is. It's going to be super boring. I'm going to be in church every day. I don't want to go there. So first time she came visit, she came alone with my, my six-year-old, really curly guy. You've been seen running around. He was like six months or three months, three months. And they came alone, so I was super happy that I could skip that bullet. And then about a year later, she said, okay, no. We're going, and you're coming with me. So before that, I believe you, were, you went to Costa Rica and, and you, to, to a wedding. You married some friend you had in Costa Rica, and I, made, and I met Blake. So going to the source, doing what Jesus do. Blake, Pastor Blake, he went to my house. We are both very much into sports. We watched some games together. He didn't preach to me at all. He didn't try to get his Bible in my throat. Nothing. He just gave me love. We became friends. And I, what, what John was saying now about being the light, I could see that in him. I could see that he, got, he was, he is, but at that point he, he was a, a great dad. Because before he went to Costa Rica, I met, I met Carla and, and Destiny and, and Kristen. And, and they were this gorgeous, happy family that reflect this love. And, and, and I could see how they talked about their father. And, and I'm thinking, well, how can I become that guy? I want to be that guy. I want to give that love to my, to my kid. I... I felt an, an, an emptiness that was destroying me, that I thought at that point that it will be fixed by having a kid. And after Sammy was at that point maybe one year old, and I was feeling the exact same thing, I'm thinking, what is going on? And, and, and how, how, can, how can this guy be so loving and, and, and be loved so much? So it, it left a, a thing inside me, but he never talked to me about anything. I mean, he said stuff, but he never said it was from the Bible. Later, I understand that he was cheating and he was actually <laughs> telling me stuff about the Word of God, but I didn't, didn't know, of course. So fast forward like a year or so, I'm here in Texas, and uh, it's all good. He go to his house. We watch games on the man cave. <laughs> we have a great time. We go to, I don't know what guys do, academy sports, 
Bass Pro Shops. And um, I remember coming to, the, I believe it was the second or third service, which, I, I mean, it was super weird for me. I've never been, in, uh, been from Costa Rica, such a Catholic uh, uh, country. I've never been in a Christian church before. Uh, I've never been in a service before. So I could see it was different and everything. And um, basically, he was talking about forgiveness. And at that point, I, I was able to realize that what was killing me from the inside was the lousy relationships I had with several members of my family, and especially with one, my grandma, which uh, I live from time to time with her. And I, I really love my grandfather, and she was really tough on him. So I, I, growing up, I saw her saying and doing awful stuff to my grandfather. So I, at that point, I could say that I really, really hate her. And I had like 10 years of not seeing her at all at that point. And pastor was talking about forgiveness and how we need to forgive other people in order for, for God to be able, for Jesus to be able to forgive us. And if we have a grievance with someone, we need first forgive them and for, so he will be able to forgive us. Later on, that became like a, a passion for me. And I read through hundreds of verses about that and how God wouldn't want even a sacrifice. God even didn't want anything but your obedience and, and, and you being able to forgive people and being able to to apply the golden rule and to, and to just be a, a source of love, of this living water that he's talking about on John. So I remember being here and, and first, first time that I noticed that he was saying to people that, that if you wanted to accept Christ in your life, because he just ended up saying all this about forgiveness, and I'm at that point realizing that that's what I need. I need to forgive. I need, I need to be able to forgive. And, and what the last nail on the coffin was when he said that, that the forgiveness will come from the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Ghost, that is not something that I needed to do in my own strength. And I, at that point, I was like 38. So it was something that I had tried to do my whole life, haven't been able to forgive. And, and he's giving me basically a way out. He's telling me that I, if I receive this free gift, this incredible, supernatural source of love is going to make me able to forgive. It's not something that I'm going to do in my strength. It's His strength. So I lift up my hand. And uh, he says something like, okay, I, I, first I noticed that everybody was with his eyes closed. So I, I pick everybody. Yeah, okay, no one's watching. I'm way back. Lift my hand. And he says, okay, I can see you. You can put your hand down. And I say, okay. Safe. <laughs> I'm done. And um, then he goes, well, I, I was not aware of this part. And, and, <laughs> and he goes, okay, every, everybody that lifted their hands, you need to pronounce publicly that yeah, you accept Jesus, all that. Yeah. Come up to the front. 
And I'm, okay, no way. <laughs> I'm not going to the front. But I, don't, I can explain that part. Something happened in me. Uh, I couldn't stop crying. I came to the front. And it was simply amazing. It was simply amazing, and, and for, from that point forward, it became a struggle to me, and, and really quick, because I'm, I'm, I'm almost done, I promise. Third part will be that one thing is to believe in God, and another completely different is to believe God. And I want to start this saying, James 2.19, very popular verse. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. So basically, what, he, what James here, Jesus' brother, is saying is that it's super easy to believe that there is a God in heaven. I mean, you don't need to be the smartest cookie in the jar to notice his creation, Another completely different thing is to believe what he says, to believe his word, to be, to, so that your life can be driven by faith, by the love that you have for him. And that was a super hard struggle for me because I didn't understand that he would provide what we needed, that I could rest my troubles in him, that I could focus on serving him, that I could devote my life to him and to spreading of his gospel. And that everything else that I do in life is less important. That my real job here on earth is to talk about Christ. And you don't need to stand in the front part of a church. Your church could be your job, your classroom your teammates at the quorum, whatever you do, that's your church. And Jesus has, have, has put you on that place for a reason, because you're perfect for that. You're perfect for that job that he has for you. And that is what he says that you should do. And it's completely different, because I understand that you believe in him because you're here, sitting right here. But do you believe what he says that you need to do in your life because you know what it is because you feel it in your heart because you feel it when you don't do it because you know that when you have to do this thing that the Holy Spirit has for you that you have to do and you know you're not doing it and when you what the opportunity passes in front of you and you don't it feels awful and you cannot shake that feeling for a couple of days so you know what it is and it's different for every single one of us. It was very difficult for me in, in this, believing that my sins were forgiven. But you need to believe it. You need to believe it. They are. They're completely forgiven. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter at all. We're not able, and I love the... The example that the Blake, because I hear the podcast every, I'm up to date. The only service I haven't heard is this one. <laughs> I love the, he used a couple of weeks, I believe, or months ago, he was talking about the trail mix, Christian. 
You don't get to choose what you believe. You don't get to choose what do you use to live your life by. So you need to believe that you're forgiven. And this is important for the next step. Because you need to understand that you are his creation, but that you're also his child. Because not everybody is a child of, of, of God. Not everybody is his He made every single thing and everybody, but we need to accept him in our hearts to become his. So he is in us and we are in him. And uh, Psalms 103, and I love this. I'm going to read it for you. It says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and feel with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For, us, for His unfailing love toward those who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. So believe that. Live free. Free of any sin that you have committed before. Repent in your heart and understand that He is all the love that is in the world, everything good comes from Him. And I truly believe that if we get a one second of the complete love that God has, we will die right. right there. So the most loving thing, the most loving person, the most loving moment that you have experienced in your life is just a small fragment of the love that God has for you. But you need, and I repeat, please, you need to believe in Him because it's the only way to move forward. And moving forward, and I will end with this. Okay, so you now believe in God. I remember going back to Costa Rica with a checklist. Things I need to do now that I'm a Christian. I need first, get married. Right now, all my brothers and my dad, they are lawyers. So I just, we went to our, remember, baby? We went to our, we went to our brother, one of my brother's office. And I, I just call a friend, hey, Ernesto, I need a witness. I'll pick you up. And, and, and Monica, a really close friend, the godmother of my child, uh, we picked her up, went to my, my brother's office. He married us. And at that point, it was sort of a checklist for me. I, I believed that I had to, 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 to do stuff, to, to, to keep up. To, I, I didn't want to, Jesus to look me like I'm what not, I, I was not up to his expectations. I, I truly didn't understand what this was about. Um, the next verse, I, I read James 2.19. Uh, the next verse, 2.20, is really important. It says, How foolish can you see that faith without good deeds is useless. And this doesn't, he's not talking about doing stuff for your salvation. He's not talking about that because we know that's not it. Because our salvation is a gift of God's grace 
for which we have nothing to do. We cannot pride ourselves in that, ourselves in that. But what he's, what he's talking about here is that, okay, we are now part of Jesus, and Jesus is in us. So what are we going to do about it? Are we going to come once a week to church, listen to a sermon, and then go home? Is that it? That's not it. That's not it. We need to do something. And I, I'm, I'm certain that every single one of you know in your hearts what it is that you have to do. Now, some of you are doing it and some of you are not doing it. Some of you are doing it, but you need to do it more. And some way more. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but the point is that, that we need to, to find out what's next. And, and I love the, the new thing that... that um, that you're doing here at church about new converts and not so new. But if at some point you feel like you need guidance, because at my church I get a lot of, of, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I don't know. It's difficult to understand what God wants me to do. Um, I need guidance. Uh, I don't hear the message, what to do. And I'm, I always say the same, I, are you reading your Bible every day? No. Okay. Are you praying every single day? And by praying, I mean more than 30 seconds. Yeah. No. Okay, so let's start there. You need strong spiritual practices. You, you need to be disciplined. You need to pray every day. Pray for your family. Pray for your pastors. Pray, pray for your church. But pray for everybody. Pray for the government. Pray for your city. Pray for the police force. Pray for the immigrants. Pray for everybody. You need to pray for every single person. And you need to read the word because it's like food. You cannot, I mean, we're not anacondas. We cannot eat like a... a 50-pound lamb on Sunday and then do not eat for a month. Do you see how foolish that sound, what I just said? Well, that's what you do when you read a chapter of the Bible one day and then you don't read anything for a, a two-week period. It's exactly the same thing. So even a verse or a couple of verses, I mean, whatever you do, read it daily, pray daily, and what you need to do in your life is going to come to you. It's going to come through this closeness with God. And the class that, that, that they're giving, I believe is Kendra. Yeah? Uh, it's a perfect way to start. It's a perfect place to get there and see what to do next. Um, could you close your eyes so we can finish with a little prayer? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word that we know is sufficient. Thank you for bringing us all here together. From We're such different people. We come from every single place. And uh, you have decided for all of us to be here tonight. Father, all over this place, everybody here, 
someone, everybody. It is the moment of your salvation. It is the moment that you need to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life. I want to know if there is anyone here at this point that have not accepted Jesus in his heart, her heart. If that is the case, this is your chance. It's a beautiful thing. This is the moment of your salvation. This is the moment to receive the greatest gift that is going to be given to you in your whole life. Father, you know our hearts. You know what we need. And we know that the only thing that we really need and want is to be close to you, to accept you as our Lord, as the captain of our ship, as, as the Lord of our life. If anyone wants to do the, go the step that I did five, six years ago, please raise your hand. This is your moment. If anyone is feeling cold also, if anyone wants to start your daily reading, start your daily praying, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right here. This is, there is no better place. There is no better place. You know these altars are always open. They're open right now. Right now. Let us pray together. Let us pray together. Let's find a spot right here. Let us pray. Almighty Jesus. Almighty Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this church that, that is yours. Thank you for the lives of every single person that is here, Lord. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, mighty Jesus. Thank you for everybody here. Thank you for their lives. You know, every single one of us is looking for you. We want to meet you, sir. Lord Jesus, we want to be close to you. We can wait. We can't wait. We want to see your face. We want to we want to be in front of you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this church. Thank you for our pastors. Thank you for your families, for your children, for your work. Thank you. 